We would like to welcome you this morning to Mission Bible Fellowship as Pastor Stuart Guthrie brings a message from God's Word. We hope it challenges, encourages, and strengthens your walk with the Lord. Father, today we are so blessed to come together and to lift up our praises to you, Lord, because you are an awesome God, worthy of our honor, our glory, and our praise. And Father, we just ask that you be with us today and, and open our, our minds as we look at your word. And Lord, we ask that you illuminate your scriptures. God, that you would draw out what it, what it is in there that you would have us to see that would have transformation in our life, that would actually change us and make us more into the image of your Son, Jesus Christ. And Father, your word, we see that it's truth and and Father, I ask that it would impact us in our lives for your glory and for your honor. And I pray that, uh, Lord, for those that, that are not here today, that are traveling, we pray for safe travels. And Lord, we pray for also those who are not able to be here because of their physical uh, illness. And Lord, we have beloved sisters and brothers that are not fellowshipping with us this morning because of physical problems. And God, I just pray for them and ask that you... Have mercy and grace on them to, to get them better so that they can come and to fellowship with us here at, at church. And Lord, just give them a peace and comfort this morning as we gather together. And we just want to remember them this morning. Lord, I ask that you use me and empower me. Uh, allow the Holy Spirit that you've indwelt within me to speak from within me. God, any error that I might speak, that it would be, um, that it would dissipate. And God, that only truth would come out. Lord, I just thank you for this word, the encouragement that it brings to us as believers and followers of Jesus Christ. And I pray that your people would also see the encouragement that it brings forth. We ask these things in the name of Christ. Amen. Well, it's truly a delight uh, to be with you today as we continue through this study on 1 Peter. Uh, we've been looking at... Uh, the life of these Christians uh, during this time period that are suffering for the sake of Christ under the leadership of Nero, a man that uh, led these people that killed and persecuted Christians for entertainment, dipped them on oil and set them light as to light up Rome. And so this morning, that's the people that we're looking into their lives. And so uh, there may even be some unbelievers in this time as we read this passage, as they are listening to the teachings, we may see some unbelievers who are, who are actually considering the cost that it would take to become a follower of Jesus Christ. We've talked about suffering so much and why it should be a comfort to us through what Jesus Christ has done. And so we'll continue to look at the victories that Jesus Christ has had for all of us, for all of those victories. He had the victory over sin, which we looked at last week. And this week, we're going to continue through those victories as we look at His victory over hell and over death. Now, last week, we took verse 18 kind of out. I took it as an opportunity to share the gospel, the message, hoping that there would be some here that had never heard the gospel, that had never put their faith in Jesus Christ. And this week, um, I'm going to put it back in and we're going to go over it again just a little bit. We're going to touch base on it because really it fits in the context of this whole picture of verse 18 to verse 22. As we see Jesus' victory over sin, Jesus' victory over hell, and Jesus' victory over death. 
And so these victories uh, that, that Christ accomplished should bring you and myself and all believers comfort, uh, confirmation that Jesus Christ is who He claimed to be. But there's also something that will bring, it should bring discomfort this morning for those that have not placed their faith in Jesus Christ. Those that are in Christ have hope through these victories. It should bring comfort because of Jesus' victories. But those that are not, should, in result, should be discomfort. But my hope is that you don't leave here with discomfort this morning. My hope is that you leave with comfort and encouragement and understand that Jesus Christ has something for you. His price that He paid on Calvary was for everybody. Not just a few here and there. No, everybody. And this morning, you can turn your life over to Jesus Christ. And this can then become an encouragement to you. You see, our biggest fear in this world should not be anything but God Himself. Will you say, Stuart, we should fear God? Well, let me say it this way. Our fear shouldn't be an apostate church. Our fear shouldn't be false teachers. Our fear shouldn't be flying in a plane or taking a trip. It's not being murdered in the flesh. It's not being diagnosed with cancer. It's not even dying. It's not even Satan. But the biggest fear we should have is of God Himself. Because the biggest fear we should have says that you should fear the one that can kill the body, the flesh, and in hell. And that's who we need to fear is God Himself this morning. And so this morning, if you are not a follower of Jesus Christ, you can be, and I hope you will by the end of this message. This morning, if you will, turn with me as we look at the victories of Christ that He's accomplished. If you will, turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 18-22. to 22. There's some slides up here. If you don't have your Bible this morning, I encourage you to always bring your Bible to church. We have such a freedom in America. And it's the freedom to, to carry this book and open it and read it publicly. And, and this morning, we have that freedom. And if you don't, though, there are some slides you can follow along. Verse 18, follow with me, says this. For Christ also died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust, so that He might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit in which also He went and made proclamation to the spirits now in prison who were once disobedient. When the patience of God kept waiting in the days of Noah during the construction of the ark, in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through the water. Corresponding to that, baptism now saves you, not the removal of dirt from the flesh, but an appeal to God for good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who is at the right hand of God, having gone into heaven after angels and authorities and powers had been subjected to Him. Here in this passage, Peter wants to bring to mind the death of Jesus Christ. That's why he starts out with the death of Jesus Christ. It's victory over sin. But then in the end of this passage, he ends with the resurrection of Jesus. He begins with victory over sin and ends with victory over death. Last week we looked at the sufferings of Jesus Christ. We looked at His sufferings for our sin. We looked at His suffering for our substitution. And then we looked at His 
suffering for our security. We noted that Jesus Christ died once and for all. The Greek word here used is hapax. And the word means uh, an event that has taken place that is complete and does not need repetition. Jesus doesn't have to go back and die again. He died once for all. He said it is finished to die. It is paid in full. And we also noted that the death of Christ, His sufferings, was for our substitution. And if you remember, we used the illustration of a man, a prisoner, a criminal named Barabbas. And as he stood there in the people, they called out, Whom do you want me to give you, Jesus? Or do you want me to let a prisoner? He said, Release Barabbas! And all Barabbas can do is hear them call his name. And then they said, What do you want me to do with Jesus? Crucify him! And then Jesus took the place of Barabbas. A perfect picture of the substitution that Christ has done for us. It means all of your sins, my sins, that were poured out on Jesus. And now all you have to do is repent, turn to God and believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. The death, the burial, and the resurrection. And really this is what these verses are all about today is screaming the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The good news, the gospel message. And the last thing we looked at is the sufferings of Jesus Christ for our security. When you are saved, you are secure in Christ. You are indwelt with the Holy Spirit. You can't lose your salvation. You can't walk away from it. Because He who began a good work in you, it says He will finish it. And so this morning, if you're struggling with sin, listen. I'm not saying sin's okay, but listen. Jesus has paid the sin price in the, in the past, in the present, and into the future. And all we need to do is repent and turn back to God so that we can continue in our joyous relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. No one's too far gone to repent, and no one's too bad to receive the grace and mercy of Jesus. And so with this little review, let us remember that Jesus died for our victories over sin. But then we need to also remember two things that I'd like to take from this text today. is Jesus Christ had victory over hell and Jesus Christ had victory over death. Why is this important that we know that Jesus had victory over these areas and why is it important to people today to hear this message? You know, as I read through these messages, I see a lot of information and I try to understand how does that fit in our culture today and how does that going to help me and my walk and each one of you in your walk with Jesus Christ in this morning. I think there's a couple reasons why it's important that we hear this message. Number one, the most logical reason is that God's Word has value and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and training in the righteousness so that the man and woman of God may be adequately equipped for all good works. And so that's the most logical reason. But secondly, I believe that it's important for us to see is that whom we believe in has triumphed over sin, hell, and death. Because that's the message. If Jesus Christ failed in one of those areas, we are all in big trouble. But no, we have a message from God's Word that tells us He victory, He had victory over all of those. 
And so we cannot conquer sin in our personal lives. We cannot conquer hell in our personal lives. And we can't conquer death. But Jesus Christ could. And He did. And what encourages me as a Christian is that the sin that once indwelt me has been bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. And when I walk out of these doors in daily life, when I began to sin, I can say, you know what? Jesus Christ has bought my victory. I can turn back to God and be forgiven for everything that I've done. The, the, the sin that made me an enemy of God is now on Jesus Christ and I am no longer an enemy of God, but I am a son, a child of God. What encourages me as a Christian is that the hell in which I was headed to, that we are all headed to at some point, that was designed for us has been removed from me because of what Jesus Christ did in the victory He had over hell. And what encourages me as a Christian is that the death that will take place sometime in my life, the death that once was a sentence for me to stand at the judgment seat of God is now my entrance into the kingdom of God and into the presence of the Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ. If you today believe that Jesus Christ has triumphed over sin, over hell, and over death, then you will be highly encouraged to stand firm in your faith. When we began to see persecution in our country, we're seeing it more and more every day. Companies being persecuted for standing on a biblical view of marriage. Listen, when times get hard, when things get heavy, when trials come your way, because you understand that this life is but a vapor and that Christ has had victory over all of these things, and you understand that the King of Kings is reigning, you will be encouraged to stand firm in your faith. That brings us to our first point this morning. Jesus Christ had victory over hell. I don't know about you, but listen, I'd rather fail at something I know someday will triumph than to triumph over something I know one day will fail. Now, we can be successful, and we can triumph over all of these worldly things, but one day they will all fail, and I would rather fail trying my hardest to, to succeed in something I know will have victory, and that's in Christ Jesus and in His ways. Jesus has triumphed and so can we because we are partakers of the victory of Jesus Christ. He says here in verse 18 and 19, For Christ also died for sins once for all, for the just, for the unjust, so that He might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit, in which He also went and made proclamation to the spirits, now in prison. This text is telling us that Jesus Christ, between the death and the resurrection of Jesus, that He was made alive in the Spirit. He died in the flesh, but was made alive in the Spirit. He didn't just disappear. The body died, but He was made alive evermore in the Spirit. And then verse 19 goes to tell us what happened when Jesus was made alive in the Spirit. It says, in which He also went and made proclamation to the spirits now in prison. We have spirit prisoners in a prison and Jesus has gone and made proclamation to these spiritual prisoners. The question that we need to ask ourselves is this, why did Jesus go in the Spirit to this place. 
The second question is, what did, it, what did he have to say? What did Jesus have to say when he got there to that prison? Well, I want to try to answer those questions this morning to the best of my ability and understand there are other views on this. But this is the view I hold and I believe it's what Scripture is teaching. The Apostles' Creed holds sound to it. I think the Bible is simply saying that He went to hell and made proclamations to the fallen angels for the purpose of proclaiming victory to them. Some of the passages that will be helpful in us understanding exactly what's happening here, and you can find them in Genesis chapter 6 and in the book of Jude. Now, I go to Genesis, why? Because the context takes us there when we see in the next few verses, and it says in which he also made proclamation to the spirits now in prison who were once disobedient when the patience of God kept waiting in the days of Noah during the construction of the ark in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through the water. We go to Genesis because the context takes us there. Peter is now taking us to a time in which these spirits, these angels, these demons, these fallen angels were disobedient. And it was during the time in which Noah preached righteousness and during the construction of the ark. If you recall there in Genesis chapter 6, the people were growing in numbers. God was blessing them. They were uh, making families. And the daughters of men that they were bearing were beautiful women. And then something next that we see that happens is striking. And if you remember, this is the pre-flood stage. This is before the flood actually took place. And we saw that the lives of the peoples were in shambles. There is mass evil within the human race and people were far from where God had designed them to be. And in Genesis 1.31 when He said, God saw all that He made and behold, it was very good. No, by the time we get to the pre-flood stage, it was very bad. And God was had enough. Enough was enough. And there in chapter 6 of Genesis, we see these fallen angels, these demons cohabitating with the daughters of men. Angels had relations with these women. And did not even only have relations, it said that they got married and had children. Now, this was not the proper way of this time. And in the book of Jude, verse 6, it tells us, listen, they had taken things too far. And their place was to be judged. And so Jude tells that these angels are fallen demons who do not keep their own domain, but abandoned their proper abode. He has kept in eternal bounds under darkness. And so these angels are now placed under bonds in eternal darkness and hell. And here Christ goes to this place and proclaims to these fallen angels and demons. The question now is why? Well, I think it's for the purpose to proclaim victory. How was that encouraging to you and I? Listen, Jesus Christ whom we worship went to hell and proclaimed victory to those that had left their proper abode. He didn't go preach the gospel to give them a second chance as some heretics would teach in our day, such as Rob Bell. No, there is no second chance. 
Once you die in the flesh, you're either presence with the Lord or eternally separated from God. Now, he goes to announce his victory over the death of sin. He was declaring to them that victory had been achieved by His death. Look at verse 22. tells us that the angels and authorities and powers were all placed under His subjection. There at the end of this chapter. In 1 Peter chapter 3. Christ proclaimed victory over hell. I like John MacArthur's quote here as he says, and I quote, Jesus literally showed up in hell to tell them they had been conquered. And hell was not going to be occupied the way they thought it would be. Millions would be rescued from the eternal punishment. Now, that makes me want to say amen. There is victory in Jesus Christ that no other man or God can offer. Many will not pass into the eternal punishment because Jesus Christ has conquered it. And listen, when Jesus died on that cross, not one drop of His blood was shed in vain. No, Jesus Christ died for those that would believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you can do that today yourself. This should bring encouragement to you and I that Christ has had victory and discomfort to those not. If you are here this morning and you're uncomfortable, listen. You can be one of those protected from the punishment of God if you would simply believe the message that Jesus... In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word became God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And this Jesus Christ, this man in the flesh, 100% God, 100% man, fully man, fully God, went to the cross at Calvary that you might have life, that I might have life, and we might have victory over sin because He was victorious as well. You see, Jesus Christ had victory over sin, but He also, Jesus had victory over death. Believer, if you were to die today, you would be brought through the wrath of God because of what Jesus Christ did for you and I. Because Jesus died and had victory over death. But unbeliever, you would be under the judgment of God. And I plead with you this morning to evaluate you where you are in Jesus Christ. I'm not the judge of your final destination, but all I can tell you is that the Word of God gives us hope. It gives us a way. And that way is Jesus Christ. Now Peter begins to talk about uh, when the patience of God kept waiting in the days of Noah during the construction of the ark in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through water. You know, God is a patient God. And He awaits many to believe in His name. Just like in the days of Noah. Noah, this righteous man, preached righteousness. And how many people were delivered? 
himself and seven. Now you think about these persecuted people. They're living in the lives where they're being persecuted, killed for their faith. There's probably seemingly a few of them. And many are, are, have turned away from God. But yet, eight were delivered. Listen, this morning, I don't care if you are the only one in your workplace. You stand bold for Jesus Christ. Because you know that there is victory in Jesus. Listen, the waters are the wrath of God in, in there in the Genesis story of the flood. The judgment of God. The Bible says, enter through the gate, the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who enter through it, for the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life. And there are few who finds it. Listen, what we see here in this flood story is a picture. We see the ark was being built. He preached, but no one listened. And there were only a few that entered the ark. God told them to get into the ark. And that He would bring them through this flood that was coming. The wrath of God. And they would be spared from their death. And when all of the many had perished, Noah and the seven stepped out of this ark delivered. The ark is a great picture of Jesus Christ our Savior. The ark is a type of Christ. Look, they got into the ark and they were sealed in. And when you become to believe in Jesus Christ, you are sealed in by the Holy Spirit. One pastor said, Noah had maybe had fell down in the ark, but he never fell out of the ark. When, when, they, when they were building the ark, he says, put pitch on the inside and put pitch on the outside. And when you look at that Hebrew word, it means atonement. It's a great picture of the atonement of Jesus Christ and how we are protected in Jesus, sealed in from the wrath of God that is to be poured out. Listen, how is it that Noah was brought safely through the water? How is it? Well, it depends on your relationship to the ark. Are you inside the ark? Or are you outside the ark? Because if you're inside the ark, you're protected by the atonement of Jesus Christ. But if you're outside the ark, behold, the wrath of God will come. Like the flood in Noah's day. The same water that flooded the world that killed millions of people was the same water that lifted that ark up to safety on Mount Ararat. You see, if you are trying in other ways to save yourself this morning in your own ability and in your own philosophical reasoning listen you may try but one day when the wrath of God is poured out you will be like so many that tried in the days of Noah and my hope this morning is that the door to the ark is wide open and all it takes for you is to believe in Jesus Christ and to enter through that narrow gate of the ark and come into the safety of God through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the way. John 14, 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. He is not a way. He is not the best way. He is the only way. And as we looked at last week, unless there's someone to deliver you to God the Father, you can't enter into His presence. And the only deliverer that's there for you is Jesus Christ to take you to the Father.
Peter is, is trying to show us the compassion or comparison or, or picture of the flood and the death and the burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's a great picture of the gospel message. And Peter now says this with that in mind. He says, corresponding to that, baptism now saves you, not the removal of dirt from the flesh, but an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now listen, this morning I want you to understand in my inability... I can't do justice to this passage. But I want to try to shed some light because there will people teach you that baptism saves you. They will say, unless you are baptized, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. And I say, you got a problem because of the thief on the cross. I can tell you what this passage does not say. And that's Jesus Christ is the one who saves you, not baptism. Now many will teach that, some in our community, some that have been a part of our church will teach you that. But listen, I tell you, don't, don't fall into that mess. No, I think, remember in the context, we see the victory of Jesus Christ over sin. We see the victory of Jesus Christ over hell. And now, the latter part of this, we see Jesus Christ's victory over death. The resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what he's trying to communicate to us here. Just like that, he says, of being delivered through water, baptism now saves you. Listen, if you believe that baptism saves you, this is a huge contradiction to Scripture. And if you believe that, we got a lot of problems with the Bible. Because my Bible teaches that it's by grace you are saved through faith. And this is not of yourselves, not by works, but as a free gift of God, lest you might not boast before man. Now, is baptism important? Of course. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. But what is he saying here? God's Word is without error. It is the inspired Word of God. And if you simply allow Scripture to interpret Scripture, baptism can't save us. You see, the Bible says that it's the power of the Gospel to save, not baptism. We see that in 1 Corinthians 15, 1-4. Write that down. You need to probably memorize that verse. And just to top it off, listen to what he says here in 1 Corinthians 17 with that in mind. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the Gospel. Not in cleverness of speech, so that the cross of Christ would be made void. Listen, if baptism was something that could save you or myself, why in the world would Christ not send Paul to baptize but to preach the gospel? Because he tells us the gospel is the power to save, not baptism. Paul knew well his purpose that Christ sent him. And there, as he gave his uh, record of his encounter with God on the road to Damascus in Acts chapter 26. And Jesus spoke to him there and said, I'm sending you to the Gentiles to open their eyes so they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God and they can receive forgiveness for their sins who are set apart by what? By faith in me. Listen, Jesus don't leave baptism out for no reason at all because it's the faith in Jesus Christ, the one whom had victory over sin, hell, and death that we are to place our faith in. 
Peter can't be talking about baptism, so what is it he's speaking of? So corresponding to that means this. It's an antitype. And what does an antitype mean? It means this. Something that is represented by a symbol. What is it that ties the baptism and the flood together? Peter is simply saying in the same way that water corresponds to the ark in the flood, so it corresponds to baptism. Just like the floodwaters lifted up the ark and represented the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, so baptism does. Listen, Peter is saying that baptism is a picture of that which does save us. And just in case you have any questions about that, he finishes up with this. Not the removal of dirt from the flesh. Listen, you can't wash your sins away. You can wash the dirt off your body, but baptism doesn't wash the sin away. It doesn't wash the dirt from the flesh. But listen, but it is but an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's your appeal to God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ that saves you. When you get baptized, and when you go down into the water, and you come back up, it is a representation of the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's a public confession of something that's happened on the inside. And during this time period, think about it. If you were baptized in a time that claimed to be a Christian, that were being persecuted and killed for their faith, and now you're publicly saying, I'm going to stand before God, and I'm going to be baptized, and I'm going to step into that water, your life would be at jeopardy. If many people didn't. Many people confess to be Christians, but they wouldn't step out on the line and deal with the persecution. And here, Peter is encouraging us that this baptism is a public confession of an inward change. You're simply saying, I understand and I agree that the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ is that what seals me in Jesus Christ. Getting baptized can't wash away sins, but it is public confession. It's a picture of the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We've seen His victory over the sin, the cross at Calvary. We've seen His victory over hell as He's gone and proclaimed victory to those in prison. And now we see a wonderful antitype. The death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ as He conquers death. The word here, baptized, is, means immersion. It means to dunk, to go under, not sprinkle. Though, listen, your tradition may be that, but it's not historical. The early church always baptized by immersion. You can't get away from that. And the Greek word there also means to immerse, to completely submerge. And that's why we dunk. Well, we'd take it easy on you, you know. But you go all the way under. You see, Peter wants you to see the victory. All three of them. The death. He wants you to understand the resurrection. This thing. It's pretty important in our walk with our Lord Jesus Christ. Because listen, we could have had a crucified Savior. We could have had a buried Savior. But if we didn't have a resurrected Savior... We'd have a crazy man we believe in. 
But Jesus Christ rose from that grave and appeared to many people. This baptism is a great picture of Jesus' victory over death. He was raised from the dead and conquered death. That you and I might have life in Jesus Christ. And there in that last verse 22, it says, Who is at the right hand of God? having gone into heaven after angels and authorities and powers have been subjected to Him. Listen, everything has been placed under the subjection of Jesus Christ. His victories gave Him all that He needed to prove who He claimed to be. And that's God in the flesh. This morning, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you need to be baptized. I know there's several brothers and sisters in here that have never put their baptism on the right side of their salvation. Everywhere we see in Scripture, baptism comes after your conversion, not beforehand. There are a few verses that people try to do jump ropes around to, to, to talk about infant baptism. And listen, I'm not, I'm not going to argue over this. We can agree to disagree. But the reality is, is, is if you are a believer and follower of Jesus Christ, you need to be baptized. And I, and I preferably don't want to get, do a baptism again in, in, in like October because the water's really cold. But we can do it. I can wear my waders this year. But anyways, we're going to be doing a baptism here in the next few weeks. And if you are a believer and follower of Jesus Christ, I want to encourage you to be baptized because Christ did it. And when Christ did it, God spoke to him and said, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. And we are to follow in the footsteps of Jesus Christ. And when we get baptized, we make a public confession of what Jesus Christ has done in us. And again, it's a, a wonderful picture of the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. When you go in the water and come out. And that's what Peter is encouraging these believers during this time of persecution. Listen, it's through the resurrection that brings life. This morning I ask, have you trusted in Jesus Christ? Because Jesus will come back again. And when He comes back and we burst through those crowds, it will be too late to put your faith in Him. He's given you an opportunity. And this morning, if you're hearing the gospel message for the first time, I pray that you would believe, repent, and trust the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Father, I just thank You for Your Word. Father, I just pray that in my inadequacies, God, that You spoke through this message, that You encouraged Your people, as I was encouraged, to see Your victory over sin, that I might not become an enemy of God, but that You've made me righteous. And Lord, that through Your victory over hell, a place that was designed for me, God, Jesus Christ took my place, and there He went and proclaimed victory over those awaiting me in hell and all of the others in this world. Father, and I thank you for your victory over death. The death sentence that once would bring me before the judgment of God, I thank you, God, that you took my place on Calvary and that you rose from that grave. And now the death which I will 
experience in this body unless you come back will be a one-way ticket to your kingdom. You've promised to prepare a place. And you said, if I go again, I will come again and receive it to myself that where I am there you may be also. And Father, I just pray this morning for those listening to the internet, those in their home, Lord, that we can encourage them. Though they may be on the last stages of cancer, though they may be on the last leg that they can stand on, God, when we are in Jesus Christ, death is but a ticket to you. And how encouraging this must have been to those being persecuted and put to death for their faith. We thank you for this day and I pray, God, that you would draw a man or woman or child to yourself today. And if they have a question about how they can be saved or how they can be baptized, God, I would pray that they'd come and talk to one of the elders this morning or myself. Lord, we love you and we thank you for this day and we ask these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.